This album is dedicated to all brothers and sisters. My men and my women. And yo, it's time. Put our hands together for hip hop, hip hop. This is what I'm talking about, y'all. It's hip hop. 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 The stories of hip hop, of rap music, are the stories of a million MCs who, inside of them, the words are coming the words they need to make sense of the world around them. The words are witty and blunt, abstract and linear, sober and fucked up. And when we decode that torrent of words, by which I mean really listen to them with our minds and our hearts open, we can understand their world better. And ours too. It's the same world. This is Rhymes and Reasons. Hi everybody doing? My name is David Luke. I'm from Albany, Georgia. Um, I currently stay in Decatur, Eastside, Atlanta. I've always been around music since I was a kid. My first uh, memories was listening to Tribe Called Quest when I was three, listening to Midnight Marauders. But the first song that really pierced through and I felt like it awoken me the inner me or what I'm supposed to do in my life, it was the blast by Reflection Eternal. DJ High Tech and Tyler Quali. I know my son wept cause his dad's away. Stop crying, be strong for your mama is what I had to say to my little man named Mommy. Start the party, my crew hot, fill these two shots like the blast from a double barrel shot. It's got to be the man High Tech and Quali who make you rock the body. It was something about that bass, the way how it hit and how that shaker, it just, I don't know, it just felt so good. And for me to be nine years old at the time, I just felt like, what the fuck is this? And I remember my dad played it and I looked at him and I told him, hey man, I want to make beats. My daddy always had, in all his cars, he always had like big ass speakers in the trunk. So bass always went through to me. So I understand bass and heavy drum because it's all, my daddy had his music loud as fuck too. So boom, 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 you hear that all day, you just understand the bass notes and the textures and the, the pockets that they fit in. Yeah. Say my name, say my name. Molly. Like Destiny's Child. My daddy always Child. played a lot of hip hop. He played a lot of Wu Tang, Ja Rule the Damager, Black Moon. My daddy played everything except for shit on Freddy. <laughs> he even fucked with that. So if you know that type of mindset, somebody like that, you already know who to listen to. But when it came down to music, I always felt alone because of what I listened to. I remember in 10 years old, and like, fourth or fifth grade and be like, hey man, y'all heard that new Tyler Quali, that new Moselle? They're like, what the fuck are you talking about? 
They would always be like that, and I always feel like, okay, maybe I'm weird or something like that. So I always cut my music to myself, and then when you get in your car, when you're able to drive and shit, homies get in the car with you, man, what's that bullshit you listening to? I feel like alien, like an alien, because it's like nobody understood where I come from. Music. They ain't understand the beats, you know what I'm saying? But it wasn't until I started making beats and met that older group of people that knew. So I, I had some wonderful friends. So after that, I used to be like in class dreaming of beats. And I was always hear beats in my head a lot. And I think like my seventh grade year, little brother came out with a listening album. So the first ninth one of beat I heard was like the morning, the very intro on the listening. And I kid you not, that used to be the beats I used to dream about when um, I was in elementary. Cause I was in middle school by the time the listening came out, but all from elementary, until middle school, I was a dream of Nike Wonder Beat. So when I heard The Morning, when that bass dropped, I was like, what the fuck is this? I said, this is the shit I've been dreaming in my head. That's like, oh my God, like I dreamed about this man beat. And that's how I was gonna produce whenever I did get the tools and whatever, cause I'm not even producing by this time. You know, I'm just seventh grade, I'm like 13, 14. So I'm like, damn, what the fuck am I gonna do now? I don't know how my daddy stumbled upon that album. I really don't know. Cause we had this spot in Tallahassee, Florida we used to always come to. It was called Vinyl Fever. And they had an underground hip hop section with all the records and CDs was just underground hip hop. So Little Brothers, Foreign Exchange, all that shit would be there. And we would read the credits and if it sounds like, if it had like something like featured or some a producer that we already know on that album, we'd get it. And this before the internet was going crazy like that. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm 24 so I, Luckily, I was able to really be a part of the, the, the last prayer, part of the dig and find music era. And we just listened to it on the way home. And yeah, like he, he had his six CD disc changer. And if your shit was really, really hot, then I know it was in the disc changer. You know what I'm saying? Like Little Brother always stayed, Reflection Turner always stayed. He had Feral Munch Eternal Affairs in there sometimes. Maybe a Wu Tang album. And probably some damn Stevie Wonder. By the time I got to ninth grade, my dad um, went to prison. He was my music. He put me on all this music, and he was like my best friend. So when I see love, I was, that's like right in my high school year, like right ninth grade, I was like on this adventure on my own. Because the man that made me who I am, my best friend, is gone. 
and we lived our life through music and video games, so now I have to find my own path now. I got to start venturing out and listen to other type of music. And that's what I stumbled upon Dilla. Uh, I always was familiar with Dilla, but I never knew the science or never understood the history on who he really was until he died. And I was like, damn, all the shit this motherfucker made is shit I always knew about. Like, I already, I knew about Dynamite. All these track called Quest song he produced, I, I knew about the light, I knew about all this. Wow, this man been me all my life and I didn't even know it. And I started getting this weird connection to him. Very, very strange, like, I knew him. It's been times when I would listen to like Slum Village. A lot of times, like Slum Village sound, that fantastic volume two, around that time, I listened, I've never heard nothing like that. Yo, hold it to me, give up right. cash about the sleeve. Oh, See, I'ma show you all how to MC. Oh, how to MC. See, I rock for a while. Well, I read, I rock. Well, I be one of the soldiers of the scene. So, y'all, niggas are dope fiends, hoping for a dream. Intervene like a case of gangrene. Gain the green and exit the scene with a fine chick who can fill up a pair of jeans. Doing this shit, doing this shit for Mac Nick. And niggas in Corny Gardens trying to do shit. See, life ain't a game, it remains intense. For me, like I just love what they did. Cause it was just was so being from Albany, Georgia. I'm so used to hearing one particular thing all the time, and everyone in my in my town thinks what we hear, what we know, the real things like that. They think like that, so they think. Well, this shit on the radio, man, everybody else sound like this. You got to make your stuff like this, yada, yada. You know what I'm saying? I get those type of things. So to me, it's always refreshing to hear something completely different when I'm when I'm born around. You know what I'm saying? Not that when I'm around is bad. It's just like, I want to hear something else. So when I hear those millions, you no know, bass lines put in a certain way, I was like, damn, that's just good. Who are these guys? It just really, I just more impressed about how creative they were. It is certain frequencies that they produce that got my attention. I live my life through music. So when he went to he went to prison, and then I started making beats, and also started listening to more music, more hip hop albums that he didn't listen to. Now I had to sit down and tell him about Dilla, how great Dilla is. So we never went down that slum village path. During those times, I would have a lot of music to keep me happy. You know what I'm saying? I remember listening to like um, 
Dizzle had this this little instrumental. I think it's a vintage something that I used to listen to on undergroundhiphop.com. And during my ninth grade year, I listened to those instrumentals. It got me through that. Before he left, my dad was a great father. My dad is a great father, so he put a lot of things in me. I was one of them kids, like, once I saw somebody getting ass with him, especially my daddy with him, one of my cousins, and I see how he beating their ass, I'm not finna do nothing. I'm like, okay, my dad beating your ass like that, all right, I'm gonna be good, like, I'm straight then. Hey, I wasn't a hardhead. It just took a little bit to show me, you know what I'm saying? So, and my mama didn't play that shit either. My parents wouldn't didn't play. I couldn't bring a C home. I had great parents. They raised me right. Mama really made me, taught me while my dad was gone, taught me how to be more domestic and taught me how to like take care of a household, you know what I'm saying? And, and like, don't depend on a woman to do shit for you, shit like that. Now, once I got in 11th grade, I started, you know, once we got a little older, most of my friends started joining the game. You know what I'm saying? The bloods and shit like that. And, you know, a lot of these cousins, a lot of these friends I love, but when we go out in public, now I see, now my other friends that I grew up with on the other sides of town, when I used to stay on the other side of town, they're also in the game too. <laughs> so when they see me out with you, they like, what the fuck are y'all doing together? So why are you around them? And it was always about like instant. Like some always tell me to leave. And every time I'm just leaving, they're just getting, my friends are just getting shot at. I would like just stay out of shit, you know what I'm saying? I wouldn't go out in public with them. I'm like, I wanna go to the house, y'all can make your house doing something cool. We can do that. I ain't like going out in like the end of the way. I'm still don't when it's too much of one race in one area, I feel uncomfortable. I don't like going away when it's all white people, I don't like going away when it's all black people. So I didn't really go out like that anyway, and that really helped me not go out, especially because I can't go places with my best friends because people wanna shoot him. And I'm not finna get shot because they wanna shoot you. And this is before I had my son. It's before all that, you know what I'm saying? I was like, nah, fuck that shit. I just get the house and they can beat because I want to make beats anyway. Or if I'm not working, I'd be working. So on my side of town, on the south side, it was more a lot of fighters. They weren't really shooting like that. They'll beat your ass and fight or whatever. But everybody else was shooting. So like 11th grade, they shot my cousin. I lost a cousin, you know what I'm saying? And his brother was right there next to him and watch him. So the whole school was like, my cousin just not getting out of jail for that. That was like 2008, 2007. He just not getting out of jail for that. He didn't shoot his brother, but he's like just being a part of that, having an un unregistered gun, gang violence, and all that shit like that. So it was just crazy. So the school was like just really quiet in the next day. That kind of started putting this darkness in my soul. It started making me realize this world ain't so nice. I learned my first life lessons listening to Reflection Eternal. Talib Kweli taught me about death. He taught me about being kind and peaceful. Black Star album taught me about being proud of being black. Not saying being black is you're greater than the next person, but be proud of being who you are for so long people told you you're not, you know what I'm saying? So just being black all together just sucks sometimes, <laughs> self-esteem wise, but Kwali taught me all that, like, all that. They, they like my teachers, and like, these people got my teachers. So I thought the world was just this enlightened place, and everybody was just so kind and sweet to it. But my cousin died, and kind of, you know, some stuff happened to you, is like traumatic, you know, and it kind of shapes who you gonna be if you let it. No question, being a black man is demanding. The fire's in my eyes and the flames need fanning. The fire's in my eyes and the flames need fanning. The fire's in my eyes and the flames need fanning. With that word, determination. With that word, determination. With that word, determination.
determination with that one. Knowledge of self. Determination. Things I say and do. And, and also, I had the pleasure of actually talking to High Tech. It was like 2013, I was with David Banner. And he knew how High Tech really influenced me. Like, I had beats on that, that Reflection Eternal album really influenced me. And um, he just put me on the phone with him, just out of nowhere. I'm like, what the fuck? You know, he put him, and I told him how important he was to me. I was nine years old, and you gave me something to want to do. Through high school, me making beats kept me out of a lot of trouble. Half my friends dead now. And when I told him that, he was so like, wow. He was like, wow. It hasn't been, he never heard. He said, he remember telling people that. But he said, it's crazy somebody telling him that. And he said, he need to hear that right now. I like, wow. Like, I think people, don't people tell you this all the time? Voices and drums, original instruments in the flesh, presently presenting my representation with that word. Determination with that word. Determination with that word. Determination with that word. Determination with that word. Determination. Is now the present to count your blessings because time can't define the essence. But you're stressing over time and you follow the Roman calendar. These people in the cloning like Attica, you can bet they're trying to lock you down like Attica. The African diaspora represents strength and numbers. A giant can't slumber forever. I graduated year after that. I met my child's mom. We had with my son, and my son was born in 2010 in May 24th, 2010. He's five now. He's actually in another room. I love him to death. He loves music and everything. So for these past five years after high school, uh, I graduated in 2009, was just really take care of my son. You know what I'm saying? Like, I learned a lot through him. Like, through him, I, I understood that, you know what I'm saying? You don't have to be an old person to g give knowledge. Where I'm from, he was like, you're younger than me, so you, you're stupid. You don't know anything. Shut up. Nah, I learned shit from a, from a, a newborn. By the time my son turned one, I started learning a lot of shit about him. You know what I'm saying? Just a lot of shit through him. How calm he will always be. Even now, he's always smiling. He's always calm and happy. It's been some shit that I need to do. And he's been with me to, to witness like certain hard times. And he's been happy. Damn. What the fuck am I upset for? I just learned a lot through him. That just really taught me why my dad was gone. Just going through life. I already know him. He, he, what he showed me. Just having common fucking sense. And knowing when to avoid certain situations. Then have my son just taught me, it brought me back to my sweeter side, trying to get on this path to being kind and, and, and centered, you know, which I am now. You know, I meditate more, I pray more, I do yoga, <laughs> I do a lot of shit now, you know. Biggest lessons I learned from my dad, man, is one of the main thing. It's very simple. I just know about the simple things, you know what I'm saying? Like spending time, being there. My dad always was there. Like all we did was Saturday nights, play video games. Like any new hot video game, we played it together. And that's all we did and listen to music in cars. Like I was always in the passenger side riding with him. But it's just one of the most important things, the most memorable things for me was just him just being there. So I'd make sure I do that with my son. You know, I make sure I'm here half the month 
if nothing's in the way, I make sure I'm here and I mean, when I'm in Albany and spending time with them, taking them to school, doing little shit like that. You know what I'm saying? Just being involved. The, the fact that me becoming, well, I walk into his classroom every morning. So that let him know, like, well, damn, my daddy gonna talk to my teacher in the morning, so let me not fuck up in the afternoon. I know tomorrow morning, my teacher gonna tell him. So to keep him on this on this shit, knowing daddy is involved. You know, dad ain't fucking around, nigga, do something bad. We gonna have to, I'm gonna have to see about you, but we gonna have to fight. <laughs> so that's what I learned from my dad. It's one like one of the greatest things. By the time, honestly, by the time he got to prison, it's like, I kind of like, I can tell you one of the first things he did. Like he didn't have that much money in his pocket or nothing, and he gave some of his money to a homeless person. You're first out of jail. You had Burger King, McDonald's or something like that. You gave some of your money to a homeless person. That type of heart my daddy had, you know what I'm saying? And it kind of made me have my humanitarian ways of always um, giving to people, you know what I'm saying? And that's the first thing he did, so that kind of, that made me feel good. Cause it's like, now that he's out and I'm an adult and I've been trying to explore myself more and more, now I'm more into what I get my personality from, you know what I'm saying? Which one of my family members are more like me, like my parents. So now that I'm older and, and I understand human behavior and all that shit like that, Seeing him do something like that, like damn, that's where I get that from. You know, that's where I get my heart from. What the heck? Let's get married and have a son named Dylan. No big deal, no sweat, no big meals, and no checks. We were struggling, and I guess we just couldn't handle that type stress. So we went our separate ways, game over like Xbox. No hard feelings, baby. We gave it our best shot. So I hopped on a Boeing and went back to touring and figured, what the hell? I'll just go back to hoeing. It started with this first chick. I we're producing. Um, luckily, my dad gave me this, like this love for anime and video games and shit like that. Cause um, my time I was like ninth grade. After ninth put out, him and Buttshot put out the chemistry or something like that. I think I was real um, into the whole Fruit of Loops thing. Like damn, nineties Fruit of Loops. So I think that's the easiest thing I can get right now. So I used to get the demo. It wasn't until like second semester, ninth grade, I saw my, my homeboy, uh, Dawood Humphrey. He was drawing, and I was like, damn, I like how you draw, we just talking and shit, like I'm drawing. And then I found out he like this computer geek, like he like, you know how to fix computers and do all this shit like that, and he was talking about, um, he's like, man, you want me to beat, I come put um, Acid Pro, he put Acid Pro, some bullshit, and then he put um, Fruit Loops on there. He taught me the basics to Fruit Loops, like just how to just simply put sounds and shit in there. And I was just so happy. Then, like, that was weird as fuck. Like, he'll come up to my house like every month, once a month. He'd pop up with software and shit and anime. And then he'd disappear. I'll never see him again for another month. He was like with no weird ass friends, do shit like that. And when he came back, I was showing him like how to sample. I was showing him how to do all this type of shit. He's like, what the fuck? He thought I was sold my soul to the devil. He's like, how the fuck do you get this good that fast? Like, how do you know how to do all this shit? I was like, I don't know. I just, I just wanted to. Gotta move, gotta grind with purpose on my own thing, dog. And y'all bras ain't working. Come on. Trying to keep control of the mic. No time for all you silly holes in my life. That's how we do it. You may find I just yourself. had a project called The Preface. Called The Preface, and I put it on my SoundCloud or whatever, and I was working on it in 2013. And it's like my first real project, like, doing alone. Like, um, just trying to um, figure out my sound. You know, I was a part of a group called The Freedom Fighters. 
me and Steve Contreras was working on our, um, our project together, and I was just producing everything, and he was rapping. It's called Thoughts After Second Thoughts. But in 2013, I finally figured out, you know, I want to start doing my own things, and I got a lot of music in me. So I moved to Atlanta in 2013. It was a hard year for me. I had to just, you know, put myself in a new new location. You know, I got a son. I left him home in Albany with my family. I just needed something new. What I would do that whole year, I just record whatever I was going through. But for the but for the strength of my uh, project, Preface, I made it like the storyline about the relationship between when I first meet this woman to how it ends. But I would really be talking about like real life shit I was going through. But I try to make it seem like I was talking about relationships, just for the strength of the storyline. By the end of that year in December. I was so relieved because I finished the project and I got so much stuff out of my system. Just experiment, you know, and oftentimes I get real wishy-washy about the uh, project because I know I was experimenting. I didn't know how to make certain songs, but it's my first project. And I just put it out. It was done in 2013. You know, so I didn't want to redo it because it was so raw, so raw and the emotions and everything was there. And you could tell the mistakes I made. I want to keep it there, you know, so when I put out more music in the future, it'll blow your fucking mind. Decided to move forward with this new joint. Always crowd around women, but was scared to pursue one. I must admit, I kinda like her. A smile radiates, make all my dotting fears escape like stupid leaving his stoop. From their old on the tape, huh? All the basic shit, she get it. Just not irrational or incoherent. That means the same thing. She's rather empathetic because we, we feel the same thing. She understand them, bro. And she don't want no cash. I bring around my friends. They say y'all gon' last. Flirting in public, I'm really attracted to her, but we cautious like kids. Trying to avoid those damn sewers You know like the one where it be That's like hating gossip So we keep our fears discreet I got the government plan to take our free Dumb I am Cause at the end of the day I realized I ain't ready for a little new relationship So It's the same thing with me Well at the time in um, Albany I had like an open case on my um, record It's some real simple But it was just open or whatever Then also I just, It's just hard getting a job I'm in the Navy Reserve too Like I get out next year you know what I'm saying? It was just hard for me to get jobs. At the same time, just going so much shit, like a lot of weird shit, financial shit was going on. And the only place I could go at that time was Atlanta. I had a friend that could give me a job. So that was like the best place I can go. Um, but when I finally went on the road to Atlanta, when I, well, as I was going to Atlanta, I got a call from this job in Albany that I was applying for. And they were going to give me more money than because I was working at the Target. I was, I'm finna work at the Target in Atlanta. And they were going to pay me more money than Target. It's just like, hey, do you want to come back and do this interview? I mean, I'll come and get some piss or whatever. I told him, nah, I just kept riding to Atlanta. Because it's something told me, just go. You know what I'm saying? You need to be in Atlanta. A month or two later, after moving there, we met Music Soul Child. Just bumped into him on Peter Street. <laughs> and we're like, hey, can you, can you listen to this beat? And my friend was a songwriter. Named, his name is Alex. We was like, man, can we listen to um, this beat and this song I wrote? I'm like, cool. Alex played a song that he wrote. Music like, damn, it's tight. I like fuck with it. I played him the beat. He's like, okay, what the fuck y'all doing tomorrow? I'm like, nothing. I got to work, but fuck work. We can get get this shit popping. Like, let's go. So that's how it happened. You know, it's just like, but I wouldn't, that would never happen if I was still being staying in Albany. And now, um, Mute Soul Child, like, we just wrapped up some sessions. We got to finish up the sessions this month, but now I got like eight songs. And my, my homie Alex, he wrote all eight of them too. So we just in the studio doing that. That that made me just be happy that I made that move, you know what I'm saying, and got out of my comfort zone. You know what I'm saying? What you're supposed to do for you, 
supposed to be hard. I'm supposed to be so easy. Well, it's not necessarily for God, but it's supposed to be for you. So if it seems hard, that means you need to grow up <laughs> and adjust. And that's all that happened, you know what I'm saying? I'm glad I did everything I did, like for real, for real. Everything in my life is starting to make sense. My fam brown, but we ain't niggas. My friends brown, but we ain't niggas. My skin brown, but I ain't a nigga. So watch out for them niggas. Pull up on your bullet ball, they think it's on the triggers. Bow, bow, gimme, gimme, it's all they know, right? I don't know, I'm trying to chill with my girl tonight, but I can't. Because of niggas on your boulevard, I see it's niggas up in the hassle line. I see niggas at the corner store. I see niggas. All I say is fuck niggas. Not my black people, but fuck niggas. Back to the thoughts that the second thoughts album that me and Steve Cottrell put out. Um, we actually did a video for this song called We Ain't Niggas. I made that in 2012 when I after I met Alex. It was a joke to me. I did. I, we was doing some songwriting songs. My sample is Curtis Mayfield or something like that. And I slowed the record down and I like it sounded like he was saying like keep everybody out the town and I can't do this and this. it was, it was sounding the sample was saying some weird shit to me. So I just like let's make a song about about ignorant niggas and how we just want them not to be, you know, just be around, how you can't go out in public. Still to put you in uncomfortable positions and situations and stuff. So we did that and my verse was like literally a joke. And I sent it to um Joe Henson and uh Steve and just let them hear it. And it's like, nah, we need to make this a full song. Like, this song is good. Me and my niggas ain't niggas. And in case you didn't notice, there's a difference. Me and my niggas, we be chilling. But the niggas, they be killing each other. And we all hit a witness. <laughs> Me and my niggas ain't niggas. And we always still for something bigger. So put your fingers in the air if you feel me. And all I want to say is fuck niggas. Fuck niggas, dog, y'all. Fuck niggas. Fuck niggas, dog, y'all. Fuck niggas. And put your hands in the air if you feel me. And all I want to say is fuck niggas. My fan Brown. So we put that out. And then Steve's manager at the time or whatever, he was just tweeting the, link, the links out to different people. He just tweeted to Ali. So Ali told me when he saw the link, he was going to some shit that day. It just something about that title. I'm like, we ain't niggas. What the fuck is this? And normally, you know, normally people ain't gonna be true, to, like really trying to like check links like that. But he said um, he saw it and he was like, who the fuck are these guys? And they're from Georgia. You know what I'm saying? And, and when Ali reached out to us, like he DM, he, he DM me and Steve. He like called us. I was like, like, like what the fuck is this? Like Ali, like, I didn't even believe it. Actually, I didn't believe with him until he flew me to New York. To come visit, I didn't believe it was him until I saw him. Like, oh yeah, it's you. <laughs> and I tell him that he still thinks that. But I'm like, dog, that I don't care. Do you mean thanks for free free ride? If you were somebody else, I just been in New York for free. So he reached out and he was like explaining about all the sounds I use on the project and how like to a science. And he was like, I was like, man, I feel like I want him to know that I understood so much. Like yeah, the Uma, Pete Rock, I was just trying to speak in terms so he know. Like look, I'm a student. He's like, man, you ain't got to explain. I already know. He said, you just as good as us. He said, you sitting at the table with us. I'm like, what? And he used to tell me that it took until this year. It took until this year for me to finally start embracing when people say you're good. 21st century we living in I play my moves by my heart That's what the slogan is Nowadays you ain't cool if you ain't fucking him Or at least spitting your game to catch a quick net Let me shove it in uh, Or 
maybe I should take a heart and play my part. Keep a mind from going talk, teach you how to be smart and how to move with them sharks. It's gotta be love, it can't tear us apart, so. But I'm thinking so wet though, too many bitches out here for me. So what up, ho? But I love. In my line of family, I just been noticing, like my dad's side, we got a lot of preachers and pastors on my family. I just realized that. So in ninth grade, my daddy first left, I started having like a lot of weird things going on. Like I used to see spirits. I can tell when people was like lying. I could tell a lot of like things, like a lot of shit with like people can normally see, I could see it. I was going through that in high school. It just all of a sudden I just started, started seeing shit. Like what the fuck? So I've had Dilla visit me before, you know what I'm saying? But it wasn't to no way like, on no crazy shit. It's like one time I was listening to, I think in 2009, Pete Rock had um, put out J Stay Paid, I think. But I know the last song, KJ and We Out, when I heard that shit, it was just playing. And I just could feel Dilla's spirit, like right standing right next to me. He didn't say anything, but I just felt him standing there. Yeah, 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 yeah. got me like closer to him like this is I don't want to get creepy but y'all ask I'm gonna tell you recently I was going through Ramadan and shit and I was just going through a lot of spiritual things and I've had a lot of like minor bad things going on you know spiritually and family wise so it's kind of tough dealing with it so I mean I'm the project the queries that I just finished I was working on that so that was that about just me thinking about all the demons going through Ramadan my first Ramadan I'm not Muslim but I just participated you know because I needed a cleansing doing it I was real stressed out trying to make music. I was trying to sit down and get composed things and trying to put shit together. It wasn't coming together. Then I started really defeating my head, like these self-doubting thoughts of, damn, am I really good? Or am I really this? And you know, like just stupid shit like that. To the point like my, my thoughts are overpowered, just turning on the beat machine and just going. You know what I'm saying? Even after that, I just hear my thoughts so much. So I was listening to Slum Village Fantastic Volume 2.10. With like some of the remixes and alternative versions of songs, and um, I was listening to uh, Fourth and Back. They got a different remix of that with the corrupt on it, and I was like, "Wow, this shit sounds so good." Cause Dilla sounds like the funky for Jamaica shit, and I always wanted to sample that shit ever since I was in high school, but I could never do it right. Fourth and back, back, fourth and back, back, fourth and back, 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 fourth and back, back, fourth and back, back, fourth and back, back, money don't make sense. Believe me when you get it, it gets intense. I gotta make the music for the ladies and gents. I gotta get the money, so off paying rent and So I'm just mad. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, why are you so good? You know what I'm saying? Like I'm just saying this. And I'm frustrated. Why is this dead motherfucker still so good? Why is, it, why is your shit sound so good? And it's so ahead of its time. You had to start making beats by, by 2006, 2005. So whatever year he died, you got to keep in mind, he ain't make no more beats after that. <laughs> and when people keep that in their mind, they see how good this motherfucker really is. Like, when you actually make beats, and some pockets and textures and kicks and snares he used, like, okay, something's really creepy. Because I ain't get it until I actually start getting deep into production. I'm like, okay, this motherfucker's weird. Who is he? Where does he come from? Like... You know what I'm saying? So I started listening to the fourth and back remix. And then the hustle came on. And I'm like, 
why are you so good? By this time, I'm crying. I'm frustrated. I'm like mad. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I can't make nothing right now. This motherfucker, how dead motherfucker shit still sounds good right now. Like, I read on some Saudi shit. If they know he disappeared, you know what I'm saying? And he was like smirking, you know what I'm saying? Smirking about the shit, you know what I'm saying? He was like, um, I was like, why are you so good? I asked him, why are you so good? And he's like, look, you just as good, you know what I'm saying? Like, you just as good. He was like, just relax. He said, don't think so hard. He said, just relax, you're thinking too hard. He said, but you just as good as me. He said, he said I'll open up your mind too. He said, open up your mind, man. He said, but you just as good, just relax. <laughs> he just kept telling me, relax, like, relax, relax. You just as good. Like, I was just listening to the rest of the shit and I didn't even notice he was there anymore. You know what I'm saying? We just, I was just vibing. But then like a couple of days later, that's when I had to start my mute soul child session. It's like, it just clicked. I don't know, it just made sense. I'm like, damn. It's a certain type of understanding I have with music. And if I listen to a certain type of music, like real heavily and really paid attention, then I started getting certain things. You know what I'm saying? So I got this Apple Music shit and I started listening to like Can. I started really listening to groups like Can. Started really listening to like all this classical rock shit, how they were paying their sounds, how they had this one guitar. They have a guitar mono, but they got all this crazy shit to it. And it's a one side of the channel. And just how they move sounds and pan sounds. And it was so crazy because it's the exact same type shit I was doing on my project, the Aquarius that I'm, that I'm working on now. Exact same shit. And I feel like I was do I was wrong because I was doing I'm like, this is not the solution. This is not how you pan shit. And when I heard that, it made me feel so much better. Cause I just went on this search for listening to music. Cause I thought when he, when he said open your mind, to open your mind you have to, and to learn you have to view outside of yourself. So to me it's like go listen to some other music, no hip hop, nothing that you ever heard before, and listen to this shit. Don't even listen to what they saying. Listening to how they're placing sound, listening to how their the frequencies and how high they boost the high end of this sound and how it's panning. So take all that. And then like, it's it, it, it just on time, like everything is on time. So when I went to the new Soul Child session, I could like open up Pro Tools and do shit live, make everybody have like do like a live eight bar section or 16 bar section when I play my drums live into, or, like, into Pro Tools with no quantizer. And then I make them play whatever the first thing come to their mind. I tell them they fuck up, we keep it. And then we gonna keep layering. You know what I'm saying? Then they realize, like, damn, this sounds good. Like, yeah, that's you playing for the soul. That's what you call soul music. When it's real, make honest music it's like like these artists don't really understand how powerful they really are if you got the power to make a nine-year-old want to do some music or something like that then that's powerful or want to to teach a nine-year-old about death that's powerful to the way they can understand to the way from everybody can understand what you're talking about 
that's powerful. You know what I'm saying? And that's when you just being who you really are. When you always who you are, that's what connects. That's what where you make the best music. So you speak to the people. It's like someone out there give me. You know what I'm saying? It don't, don't have to be depressed and shit, but it's like once you speak it from the core, that's what it is. And I think that's what a lot of people get confused with now when you got the old head talking about music ain't how it is, all these fake people. I get it because, I mean, now that the NWA movie is out, and let people really know what was really going on. Like, yeah, them niggas was really out there selling dope. They really out there doing all this stuff, and they talked about it. And in the same time, they saw so much bullshit, so they just spoke on what they saw. And no matter how raw it was, it still was real music, and it still was something that they gave somebody hope where they were from, birthing all the artists that they have now. But like now, you got people that never been in the streets and never did this and never did this, making music just to make money. So that's when it doesn't feel real anymore, or it doesn't feel cool anymore, because it's like, you sound like the next man. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you make, you make it something cool right now, but where are you going to be at next month? You, we let the wrong people get in the industry, and the wrong really just influence, because we really got to say something. We can really control how people feel about music. We just scared to do it. Don't be another sequel. Hip-hop matter, man, because it's like, it's that one thing that teaches people to do what the fuck they want. It teaches, I think it teaches expression very well. If anything, hip-hop teaches expression the best. And it commands respect, point blank. To bring something of the hip-hop element around means you respect it because of how extra, how kind of like extreme it could be, how raw it can be. So to see past the rawness and see what really going on, to see like this is somebody that's just like me and they're just trying to express their pain, just like how I express my pain. They're just pressing it looking through this way. Thank good thing about hip hop, man, just watching it grow. Cause it's still so young. And just watching it grow and be respected. Go through its ups and downs, be respected, but get get pimped. Then and no money, then like now it's a slow rise of like more respect going on now. It's going on. I think it's like it's the second golden era of hip hop right now going on. Honestly, because all the kids, like I said, all the kids from the first golden era, they're grown now. So we had the direct teachings of the front of gods, you know, direct teachings from the, the originals. So that's why you see more of original music into hip hop now, because we the descendants and we're going to grow up. And Ninth One needs to preach that theory a lot. And it's so true. That's all, that's all. Yo, you say you love hip hop, but are you still involved? Some of this real life shit, it don't appeal to blogs. You gotta love them while they're here, they trying to kill us off. The way I pray to God is listening to Dilla Dog. JD to J Dilla, you can't kill him. Started whistling, village and then filler. Used to carry 45s on his arm. Word to my dukes, the task volume one and two, that's a gospel. He fed his donors from the hospital bed. The doctor said he got a chill, he got a lot on his chest. Not gonna rest till we get it off. He hit it off from Madlib. The rhyming was nice at the beast, the shining classic. Flow with some power classics, such artistry was a comedy.